We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome in. It is Tuesday morning, the 20th of June, and it's time for an episode of Broncos for Breakfast. I am Nick Kendall, and joined by, as always, on these morning shows, Scott Kennedy. Scott, how you doing? What's new? Are we going to have a, a cat appearance today? I'm, I'm uh, we might. Crossed. We might. Um, if I'm by myself at the, in the house, which I am right now, the cat gets uh, gets a little vocal. So he uh, he might show up here. He's, he's kind of out in the hallway playing playing mousy right now. So he might come in. I'll let him wave and say hi if he comes up. Big black cat. I have to move back to get him all the way in the screen. Good luck. Black cat is good luck. I hope I uh, hope he does make an appearance because it's always fun to see the pets. We we keep our pets uh, quarantined away from the uh, recording area, from the basement itself. So. I shut the door, but then he bangs on it and starts like howling. Yep. <laughs> like no. it's just better to risk having the door open. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And uh, it's always good to hang out with the pets. Guys, let us know in the chat what uh, you guys have as pets. Obviously, I have a golden retriever and a cat, and Scott has a cat and a dog as well. So And two kids. We're, we're no. freaking <laughs> Dr. Doolittle Hill. Here. Yeah. Got a guinea pig. I've got, um, we've got a, what is it? A leopard, a leopard gecko for the summer also. Mm. So wow. it's, it's, it's all, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Well, lots of fur, lots of fur. Come see the the Atlanta Zoo extension at the Kennedy's. It sounds like a good time. <laughs> well, let's say hello to some people in the chat. Donald Willison coming in who wanted us to talk, call him Don or D. I can't remember Don. And you wanted us to change, call you something else. We appreciate you. And $5 super coming in saying BFB. Thanks. Shout out to you. Don, thank you so much. Good morning to you. Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a good three-day weekend, um, Juneteenth, celebrating and observing Juneteenth as well. Zach Powers in the house saying, morning, morning. Good to see you, Zach Powers. Hope you're doing well. Got our guy Ethan coming in across the pond saying, good morning, Jensen Broncos country. We've missed you, Ethan. Thanks for uh, reaching out over the uh, the weekend, uh, saying hello, and uh, glad to have you back and hanging out with us. Hope you're doing well across the pond. Jeremy Sean saying, morning, boys. Welcome back. Looks like the national media's expectations for the Broncos are starting to shift. Have you seen anything with, um, have you seen anything about the Broncos expectations starting to shift from the national media, Scott? No, I just think, I just think the, the hot takes are softening a little bit. You know, people are hedging their bets a little more like maybe this team won't be awful. Um, I've seen it with a couple of those teams that have been predicted pretty bad. You know, we, we cover several teams. Uh, with Team MHH, including Colts, Falcons, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's uh, – I, I think the the rhetoric is softening a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have the Colin Cowherds out there. They've already expressed their outrage of, how can this be possible? This team's terrible. And that that 
people are like, you know what? It's the NFL and, and anything is possible. So maybe it's calming down some. Um, and then just people remembering that, hey, it's it's Sean Payton. This this guy's a hell of a coach. You know, and, and I've said a zillion times, I'll say it a zillion more. People talk, you know, well, he only won one championship in New Orleans. I, I don't, I can't express to spoiled rotten Broncos fans <laughs> how bad New Orleans was. Take this last six years and make it 40 years. That's what the New Orleans Saints were before Sean Payton. Yeah, completely irrelevant. Uh, just a joke franchise. And uh, John Payton did a good job of turning them around. So we'll see what happens uh, with the Broncos' expectations. I still feel like the expectations are probably right around 500 this year, but things things can change. Uh, I haven't seen anything too drastic one way or the other. But, uh, you know, I, especially after last season, planned a little bit safer. Uh, yeah, after I mean, last. 500 is doubling your win total. You know, yeah. close to it. That's... Yep. You know, that's uh, that's that would be a pretty good turnaround unless yeah. unless you think the last six years, you know, the last year was an aberration. But it's hard to say last year was a complete aberration because of the previous five years. Mm-hmm. So turning the ship around and, and you go, you know, nine and eight, I, I think, again, we've talked baseline. We've talked expectations. What would be bad? What would be good? And um we've uh, we've come up you know around that nine win mark would be as far as you know the 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 over under on wins for this team yep that's what you're expecting uh this season hung, hanging right around 500 so hopefully we will see better than that uh, hopefully we won't see worse than that but got to see what uh, everything looks like uh, with Sean Payton here so many dynamics have changed how much last season was Russell Wilson how much was Nathaniel Hackett unanswerable questions uh until we get more data here and the actual game start playing Mark Schrader coming in, $10. Good morning to you, Mark, with the the big super chat and the support here on this fine Tuesday morning. Thanks so much, Mark. Hope you're doing well. Always good to hear from you, and uh, always good to see you on Facebook as well. So Mark coming over on YouTube, but we're Facebook friends. Tim Durr coming in saying, good morning, Nick and Scott. What's good, Broncos country? Not too much. is bad. So I uh, enjoyed the three-day weekend and a shorter week this week. My parents flying out, so I won't be here after... God, I think I'm off this Thursday, right? They they yeah. land Wednesday night, so yeah. Uh, hell, I thought you were off today when I didn't see the stream built until you know nine twenty my time. I'm like, oh, start doing something. I've already cut up the next video for it's scheduled on uh, on YouTube for for Broncos Country. A uh, little little highlight from last night talking about worst to first, and talking about worst to first. Daniel Swofford. I don't know what the transition is there, but Dan- Daniel's always uh, first <laughs> in our hearts from first to first. Good morning, Daniel. He says, "Good morning, guys. Looking forward to see what you guys have to, for us today." What's your confidence level on the defense this year under Vance Joseph? As for pets, I have a 1.5-year-old golden retriever named Molly. Well, very cute. Um, I am a very big fan of the golden retrievers, obviously. Yeah. You're almost to the stage where you're going to have a dog uh, yeah. instead of a demon at your house. Those two years on those big lab retriever types, the first two years is rough. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. The first six months is really tough. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I've said to dogs, it's a good thing you guys are cute because you wouldn't make it to be dogs if no. uh, if you acted like this all the time. Puppies are puppies are a lot of work. Uh, and my guess would be Swafford. Swafford. Yeah. And a puppy. I mean, you miss them when they're smaller, though. Like they get older. And yeah. It's like, oh, yeah that's why because they're so cute and stuff. So yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing you're cute because yeah. you just ate something you weren't supposed to eat of mine. And destroy i never i never believed in creating i'm not gonna create a dog i'm not gonna create a dog and then i had a half lab 
and he was eating my entire house. I'm like, okay, we're going to either have to get you a crate or dig you a hole. So yeah. let's, uh, let's, let's try the crate and then it works yeah. fine. My dog, my dog now that's, we just call it his house. We leave it open and that's where he stays during the day. He just goes in there and chills. Yeah. Well, cute. Uh, always love to hear about the, uh, the pets. And uh, the other question, what's your confidence level in the defense under Vance Joseph this year? Out of 10, I'm going to give it a six, which is not super high, but I think it's going to be pretty hard for Vance Joseph to replicate the defensive expectations that this team has set over the last 10 years. I mean, going from, uh, you know, we had those years, obviously, at Wade Phillips, where the defense was incredible. Uh, you did have the Vance Joseph's years where they stood back a step back a bit, but Vic Fangio had some pretty darn good defenses, especially considering the, the injuries that Vic Fangio's defense had. And then, shockingly, uh, one year, there's questions about him, but he came in and was awesome. Is your Evero last season as well. Mm -hmm. So my confidence with VJ is about a six. I believe, for the most part, coordinators uh, are only as good as their players. Really, what Hall of Fame coaches are only become Hall of Fame play or coaches if they had Hall of Fame players. So uh, I have more questions about the defense than the actual coordinator, the players on the defense. But I put him about a six out of ten. I think it's going to be he'll be okay this year, but I don't, I don't have big expectations. So my my question on this, my follow up on this would be, you know, relative, relatively speaking. So relative to last year, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Keeping the level of defense last year over the course of the entire season based on personnel, what is your confidence that they can be as good as they were last year? Not are they going to be a top five defense, the confidence level on that. At time, you know, for a good point, good bits of last year, depending on which category you looked at, they were a top five defense, but that's mm -hmm. not where they quite finished. So taking a look at personnel, taking a look at new, new coordinator, what's your confidence level that they can maintain where they were last year or, you know, at least be as good. See, see for me, that's confidence level. Yeah. I, uh, I'm still we're talking six. about that. And I, I feel pretty good based on the personnel there that this defense shouldn't be any worse than it was last year. I feel, I feel pretty good about that, Nick. I think they will be as good, if not slightly worse mm -hmm. uh, than last season. And part of the reason is 
I think this year the offense will be more competent and in a way that somewhat hurts the defense where other teams are going to be a little bit more aggressive. I mean, we kind of saw it last season where the Broncos defense was playing good, playing good. And then when the offense finally starts to figure things out, other teams' offenses are like, oh, wait a second, we have to play. We actually have to go out there and try to score now uh, rather than play, you know, this keep away uh, ugly football that is working to beat the Broncos. So, yeah. And then you'd see they, you know, oh, the, the, the defense gave up this, gave it whatever. And it's like, no, they wore down. And that was a game plan for the other teams. Like, well, we'll just just hold them down until we need to go score at the end. And then they'll be worn out and we can do it. We can go get a get a score. And I, I don't put that on the defense at all. It was one of the the big uh, contentious points I had during the season last year when I'd be in the background and they'd be talking about the defense giving up a score for the loss. And this one's on. I'm like, no. No, you cannot have 20 minutes of time of possession and expect your defense to come up big at the end of the game. It doesn't work that way. They held them to 17 points. You you average 17, you should win a lot of ball games. I think it was like 13 for a while, wasn't it? You know, the yeah. the, the defense was was strangling people. Yeah, overall though, I do think the defense will take a slight step back. Uh, I don't trust the personnel totally, especially on the defensive front mm-hmm. all the way, and I also think Vance Joseph is a step back as a coordinator as well. Not big, uh, but they keep, I mean, they tried Vance Joseph out there this last week and a big talking point about it was just, you know, how good he is with the guys, not so much DXs and O's, not so much, you know, putting guys in the best position to succeed, but, you know, I hate to use the dreaded phrase leader of men. Cause that one was beat to death when he was uh, hired as the head coach here. But uh, I, think I think the defense will take a slight step back uh, this season overall. All right, so we can get into the topic here a little bit. Um, we'll we'll hit, a, hit the chat, so I won't use this, but remind me. Let's come back to this so I don't forget it. Is You, you mentioned personnel. Um, there's not a ton of personnel changes. Um, yeah. you know, So you ask yourself the question, is the defensive line worse with Zach Allen than they were with Draymond Jones? Maybe. And then how important was Deshaun Williams? And we talk about that war all the time. How easy is he replaced? Can you replace Deshaun Williams? Because that's really who am I forgetting in the front? Who, who else have you lost? Uh, Bradley Chubb and Baron Browning. Yeah, Ch- Browning. Okay, the injury there, and and he was in and out of the lineup a lot last year. And then um, Bradley Chubb Gregory? was first eleven games, not you know not the last six, and that that's a big difference. Okay, I can live with that one. Um, one of the questions I wanted to hit here um, from Dermeyer NFL. He says over under for KJ Hamler starting games. I'll say 0.5. I was going to say 0.5 as well, because we don't even know if he's going to make the team. Yeah. Uh, we're really pulling for him. We heard that he is living with uh, Tim Patrick right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's he was a second round pick, I think, top 50 or right around top 50. I mean, talented kid when he's on the field, but he's been dealing with setback after setback in terms of injuries. So uh, 0.5, I think, is the the bet on that one. Uh, I'd say right now he's fourth in the uh, the pecking order. But, you know, he's got speed and he's got talent, so things could change. And I'm really pulling for him because uh, he seems like he started six games in his career. Yeah. You know, no. if we want to talk about starting, starting games. Now, is he a, a number three receiver and is basically a starter in a three wide receiver set? That's a little different. But if you want to say as a pure starter, he didn't start any last year. Uh, he only started two the year before and four as a rookie. So as you start losing faith in your draft picks, guys that are on their way out the door, you see those numbers go from, well, they had their most production as a rookie because mm-hmm. there was a big investment in them as a second round pick and they're getting the benefit of the doubt. And then they kind of play their way out of it. Injuries, obviously, we've, we've talked about that a lot. But, you know, if, if I had to take the bet right now, I'd set it at 0.5. 
which means you'd win with one start and I would win with zero and I would take the under. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're pulling for him still, but the Broncos also, they made a big investment uh, going and getting Marvin Mims, who I think one could argue would play a similar niche uh, position to KJ Hamler. So again, very talented young player still, and Broncos have him underneath another year of control and no such thing as too much speed out there. So if he can stay healthy, I think he'd find a role, but if he can stay healthy, he's carrying a lot of weight there. So we'll see. Uh, I agree with Scott though, the uh, 0.5 games, unfortunately for him, but God, again, pulling for him. That's just seeing as believing on that one. Tim Durr coming in saying, good morning, Nick and Scott. What's good, Broncos country? Hanging out with you guys. That's what's good. Good to see you, Tim. We got Robot of Doom. Said, good morning, gents. Good to see you. Mark talking about it. He says he has three dogs. Awesome. Zach Power says he's a six-year-old 110-pound chocolate lab. Absolute monster. Yeah, 110 pounds is big. Summit's about 80 pounds. Now, granted, we walk about five miles a day, so he gets a good amount of uh, exercise and whatnot. But uh, I feel like he's like, bulky you know big chest big barrel chested and uh 30 pounds heavier that chocolate lab that is an absolute monster uh so hopefully it's a good one and i also love jeremy coming in so he's got an eight pound cavapoo named bear cute love that about that jr caprin saying pitbull doberman and three kitties for each of my children very cute one cat for each kid that's awesome <laughs> and uh tim durson they have a pug and a 15 year old princess so must be a daughter and a 15 year old or is the pug 15 and also the princess? I can't tell if we're separated here, uh, but uh, cute. I love hearing about all these pets here. Matt Hay- Henry coming in saying, good morning, Nick and Scott. Good to see you. Chase Wellner saying, hey, y'all, I can. I think Ninja's making an appearance here in a second. He's hunkering down. There's a, there's a, it's either a jacket or a, a cover. And I hear him digging in. I can show you him, but I don't want to show you how messy the rest of my room is. <laughs> he's hanging out here. He's, he's hanging, he's hanging out. I thought he would with the, uh, he's a very social cat. He likes laps. He's a lap cat. Yep. It's been about 50 degrees here in Seattle. I think we've been like teetering with some of the record colds uh, for this time of year. And uh, the cat has been all over me trying to snuggle up. Like it's cold. <laughs> I refuse to turn the heat back on. It's been about 62 degrees in the house here, but uh, they've been snuggling up. We've been hanging out. It's been good. Greg Smith. Good morning. Broncos for breakfast. Denver Broncos for life. Good to see you, Greg. We got Jerron Washington saying the Broncos will make the playoffs. The Broncos will be the Chiefs, and he believes in Russell Wilson. Uh, gosh, man, I, I hope you're right there. I was going to say, what's more likely, the Broncos making the playoffs or beating the Chiefs? I don't know. That's a, what do you think, Scott? More likely, playoffs or Chiefs? Playoffs or Chiefs? Winning one regular season game isn't that big a deal. No. You know, you it's not like – now beating the Chiefs in the playoffs would be slim. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, you, you can – Get a team on an I mean, look at the 49ers. We talked about them last year. This is one of the best teams in the NFC. Who did they lose games to? The Broncos, four wins. The Bears, they have three wins. Mm-hmm. And the Falcons, seven wins. You know, they, they lose those three games. It's one of the best teams in the NFC. So regular season games, the fact that you haven't won is beyond statistical improbability mm-hmm. that you've got a losing streak like this. So I would say beating the Chiefs once is more probable than making the playoffs because winning one out of 17 games isn't do or die for a, a, a Super Bowl contender. If they lose one along the way, so be it. It's it's not it's not that big. Making the playoffs is a big deal. And you're going to have to win at least 10 to do it. So I think all odds aside of how improbable a streak like this is in the NFL, uh, I would say beating the Chiefs once is more probable. I agree with you. They did expand the playoffs, right? So you have a little bit better. Almost half the field does that, where the Chiefs have been pretty darn uh, 
pretty darn impressive playing the Broncos, but one game against the Chiefs, I'll take that. And we saw the Chiefs last year lose a game to the Colts, who you know finished worse than the Broncos last year. So anything can happen, uh, but we're hoping the Broncos can be a little bit more competitive. It would be nice to see them beat the Chiefs for the first time since Week 2, 2015. Goodness gracious, talk about improbable. Bama X, good morning, Broncos country. Good to see you. Jerron Washington says, I'm happy to have Vance Joseph. We had the fifth best defense in the NFL. Only players that Vance Joseph knows is Justin Simmons and Josie Jewell. And yeah. Cream uh, and Cre- no, Cream Jackson was brought in underneath Vic, uh, Vic Fangio. Vic, okay. Vic Fangio's uh, first year. For some reason, I thought that he was, t- I remember him talking about him. Did he have him in a different place? Um, the guys he knew, I thought there were four players uh, and a couple, of, and it wasn't, it was more than just those two on defense, but. Maybe Vance I'm, coached underneath uh, Wade Phillips in Houston for a cup of coffee or something. Yeah, but I, can't I think remember. I remember him saying he was a, a fat kid when he started. <laughs> I, mean, I remember something pretty detrimental that he was joking about uh, Kareem Jackson. So um, Tim says he had him in Houston. I, I thought yeah, I, I thought I is. had them. So yeah, not here, but uh, familiarity and and only having you know he hasn't been gone that long, and the turnover that you've got in this league is pretty mm-hmm. astounding. Yeah. Without a doubt. So, yeah, he must have been in that Wade Phillips staff uh, in Houston for a number of years. So, and man, ties go back. It's pretty fun to talk about. Uh, Michael Ronquillo talking about fun to talk about hanging out with the stars, saying good morning, Nick and Scott and Broncos for breakfast. Go Broncos and Buckham. Good to see you, Michael. Always see Michael on Twitter. Hope you're doing well. And Tim corrects there. The pug isn't the princess. The 15-year-old's the daughter. So it could have gone either way with the pug. I don't know, Tim. Um, but uh, shout out to your 15-year-old daughter as well. Congrats to you and your uh, family. Um, always love hearing about you guys. Gary Palmer, 1999, big time super coming in this morning. Thank you so much, Gary. He says, good morning, Nick and Scott. What have defenses looked like underneath Sean? I know that's situational, but there should be a trend. Defense is volatile in the NFL just in general, so it's pretty hard to see what a trend could be. Uh, he did have Dennis Allen with him for a number of years, and Dennis Allen has done a pretty darn good job as a defensive coordinator. We'll see how he'll do as a head coach. Uh, you guys probably remember Dennis Allen in Denver for a bit as well before going on to be the Raiders head coach. Now he's the New Orleans head coach, but uh, they've been pretty good. And I feel like the best seasons of defense on Sean Payton teams were ones that they were extremely opportunistic and took the ball away at a high level. They weren't always the best at stopping teams from points given up or yards given up, but they had a lot of splash plays and turnovers. So we'll see if that's a trend underneath Sean Payton uh, or if that's something that's, you know, dependent on the personnel at the time and whoever the coordinator is. And the personnel on both sides of the ball. I'm, I'm going to rip off some numbers for you real quick. So sorry mm-hmm. if this sounds like a phone number. Uh, but just going through the years in, in points per game, starting from oldest to newest, 13, 25, 26, 27, 13, 31, 4, 28, 32, 31. That's where you go to playoffs and don't win games. Those were three straight seven and nine seasons, uh, all on the defense there, 28, 32, and 31. And then they, when they started 11 and 5, 13 and 3, 13 and 3, and 12 and 4, in his last years there, their defensive ranks were 10, 14, 13, and 12. And then they were 4 and 9 last year as well. So um, it evolved. Um, they, they probably put some more money into some more money, some more resources into the defense. Defense got better. So, uh, you know, the different hires and the coordinators and stuff. But, uh, Wild swings uh, in the defensive points given up. So, and, and and for me, I guess the the early years biased me a little bit because I never thought of the Saints as really having a great defense. Um, but that has really changed in the last seven eight years. Yeah, they've had a pretty darn good defense underneath Dennis Allen. A lot of good cover one stuff. I mean, 
Jordan, Cam Jordan out there doing good stuff. Obviously, Marshawn Lattimore. They, they've been a pretty good on that side of the ball for the last few seasons, uh, at least. So we'll be interesting to see how they emphasize it and prioritize it, not only uh, you know in the immediacy, but going forward. I mean, this offseason, Broncos made some splash plays on the defensive side of the ball, but really, this was more about gearing up the personnel on the offense. And is that going to be the case pretty much going forward underneath Sean Payton. I don't know. We'll find out. They made a big move on Zach Allen, but other than that, I mean, it was an offensive centric off season. And uh, Nick, you mentioned the high risk, high reward team. They were one in points and one in yards on offense. When they won the Super Bowl in 2009, they were 20 in points, but number three in turnovers per game. Yep. So it's like, you know what? We'll give up some points. We're going to take it away. And if you give the ball back to our offense, you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> We get a couple extra possessions. You can score yours. We'll we'll score every time we've got the ball, and that was that was a pretty dangerous team. Yeah, I just remember that Super Bowl winning team having a very good ability to take away the football. Right. Not good at stopping anybody, but damn, they were hunting the ball. And if you got the ball to the offense, good field position too. Num- number one in points and yards. And okay, I'm giving up points per game, but I'm getting more possessions than you, and I've got the number one offense. Yeah. That's a pretty good. That's that's still a pretty good recipe. It's hard to bank on that right. overall because we talk so about why, defense maybe being why number one, another one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially turnovers can be extremely volatile year to year. But uh, you know, the good ones can still replicate that and even get the finest margin. I mean, you see it with the uh, Bill Belichick New England teams. Defense is volatile, but somehow they consistently have a top ten defense. Well, you, you can scheme it still. Uh, not easy, but uh, the great ones can. Richard Miles coming in saying good morning, good to see you. Got Cristiano coming in saying good morning, friends. Joining late, but happy to get you live. Beating the Chiefs at Denver, more probable than playoffs. Playoffs? <laughs> yeah, it's, anything can happen. Maybe we can have both this year. That'd be great. Uh, Philip Hogginson coming in saying morning, everybody. Good to see you, Phil. Hope you're doing well. Jerron Washington comes and said, our schedule isn't that bad. The games that will be challenging are the Chiefs, Jets, Bills, Chargers, and Lions. Hope we beat the Jets so we can give Nathaniel Hackett a taste of his own medicine. I don't know what Nathaniel Hackett's medicine is, uh, but it wasn't very good last year. And uh, yeah, I definitely needed some of that or aspirin or something. Baby aspirin is with chest pains in there going on. But uh, we have a uh, it'd be great to beat the Jets, not just because of Nathaniel Hackett, though. But God, I'd love to beat Aaron Rodgers. I'm already, I'm just so tired of Aaron Rodgers uh, overall. Just the whole thing of him maybe coming to Denver, not coming to Denver, having family that is Green Bay fans. It's just like Rodgers. I'm, I'm, I'm done with you, buddy. Like that's that's enough. Yeah, and and it's it's done. You know that's over. He'll probably finish his career with the Jets. Um, two years, maybe, maybe three, maybe mm-hmm. one, uh, and then we'll be done. And then we can remember him for the great player that he was, instead of yeah. the the media drama BS the last three or four years, because he's just a phenomenal talent. Yeah, yeah, he's a. Uh been a little exhausting and he wasn't that great last season um playing on the field as well so i'm curious to see how it works out from a football well, we kind of predicted that one going in though remember With the jets i mean he's yeah. coming off an mvp season and we're still like listen the entire offense is predicated on we're going to build a defense and rogers is going to score us points mm-hmm. well you get to the playoffs then against other good teams i kind of i kind of think of it like um the Atlanta Braves in in their pitching staffs, they went all pitching, pitching, pitching. Well, pitching you know, in their in their years when they were winning a lot of division titles, but not a lot of playoff series, it's because they were going all pitching, which was great for the regular season. But when you got to the playoffs, everybody had pitching. 
You know, most teams making the playoffs, they can all play defense. So you're getting beat by teams that are, are more balanced. So not I, again, I wasn't totally surprised. The I think we said the Packers and the Dolphins were the two biggest overrated teams going in. And the Dolphins were were good. Um, they were a little too dependent on uh, on Tua being healthy, though. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, that balloon popped. That uh, what the carriage turned into a pumpkin there with uh, Tua halfway through the season. Granted, he kind of got smashed into a pumpkin too. But uh, we have uh, Lawrence Rivera coming in here saying, "What's up, guys? Got to get my bean. Got to get Coffee. my bean dirt juice." Okay, there we go. <laughs> What's going on? Still some more. You better get on it, Lawrence. Uh, appreciate it. Scott's got his perk going on there. It's gone. I- I've drained it already. I started too early. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's just time for a second cup then. Uh, J.R. Capron saying if the defense doesn't play up to standard, uh, do you see the team doing anything with Vance Joseph? I think it'll be interesting to see if the defense falls at all, what they do with Vance Joseph. And it's not just because of Vance Joseph maybe not living up to expectations, but I think that Denver maybe has a potential superstar coach uh, on the defensive side of the ball, a young ascending coach in uh, Christian Parker, who... The Broncos maybe will not want to get rid of. Uh, so that would be really interesting to see if, uh, let's say, Vance Joseph's only okay. Well, listen, Vance, uh, we appreciate you being here, but we don't want to lose Christian Parker. We want him to be our defensive coordinator. So uh, see you, Vance. Good luck elsewhere, and uh, we're promoting within. And got Donald Wilson coming in talking about it as well, saying it's on an article about Vance Joseph replacement, Christian Parker. Would you say Vance Joseph loses his job regardless? We need to see what it looks like, but Parker is an ascending star and uh, he's going to be a defensive coordinator at some point in the next three years. I'd be shocked if he wasn't and uh, you might want to keep him. And the other discussion was Dennis Allen. You know, the, the saints are coming off a a seven and 10 season with, with Dennis Allen. If that doesn't improve in their, you know, bottom half of the league again, then there's a pretty good guy that he worked with that would need a redemption project as well. You see these guys go from head coach back to coordinator, back to head coach, Happens a lot, um, you know, unless they're 65 years old when they get their first head coaching job. So it, it happens a lot. So there there will be candidates out there internally and externally, possibly. But, you know, I don't think anybody's rooting for Vance Joseph to fail, obviously. No. Um, and he's got a chance to come in. He, he got hired because he was a good coordinator. That's mm-hmm. how he get, that's how you get the head coaching job. So, um, again, I, I feel pretty good. And let's get in. Let's get into the topic here a little bit, you know, about the the strengths and weaknesses of this team. And Lawrence, thank you for the stars. Uh, appreciate that. But um, you know, going back to you know how the team finished, and yeah, they they kind of ran out of bodies. You know, is the personnel? Do you think the personnel is um, lesser than it was last year, uh, as far as you know, on, on the defensive side of the ball? I think it's about the same, uh, but maybe slightly lesser just because I trust the bodies less on the defensive front at the defensive line and at uh, the edge position last season. I think the Broncos had decent health uh, with some of the interior defensive line specifically. I mean, Mike Purcell has had a history of injuries here and he stayed relatively healthy and had some impact out there. DJ Jones played, I think the highest volume of snaps he has in his career and he stayed healthy out there. After that, though, it's a big question mark on this defense. Zach Allen has dealt with ish, uh, injuries in his career today. Last season was a big coming out party for him, but that's partially because he hasn't been fully 100% uh, the years prior. So that's one that concerns me. And then we can get into the question marks galore at the uh, the edge spot. I mean, Randy Gregory, over under six games for him. 
Uh, Nick Benito, does he take a step forward? Baron Browning, do we see him at all this season? What does this injury look like after getting the the knee surgery? What does, uh, uh, gosh, Frank Clark still have in the tank? So uh, I think overall the defensive personnel is pretty much the same, similar, but I have big-time question marks along the defensive front. Yeah, I agree. I, I would think if you're talking about personnel-wise, I think it may have taken just a slight step backwards um, because you poured a bunch of your recess resources into the offensive side of the ball, which is probably the smarter thing to do, Nick. Yeah. Um, you know, if we're, I, I think we talked about, you know, how does this team get better? If I could take one player other than a quarterback and 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 place them somewhere, I think we we all kind of agreed it was the offensive line somewhere. You know, I said center. Mm-hmm. You know, an all pro type of center would make this team um, that much better, or at least you know a top ten guy, not necessarily a a Miles Garrett. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. bringing in a bringing in Aaron Donald or a Miles Garrett, but those are different guys. I mean, just on average, you know, a, a, a top 10 type of guy, where does he come in? But you look at who you lost and who you brought in. And I, I think realistically, you're, you're, you're looking at a, maybe a one for one swap in the first year for Zach Allen and, and Draymond Jones. Draymond Jones was pretty darned good for this team. Um, can Frank Clark be as good as, when he plays, you know, I don't think he's going to play as many snaps as Bradley Chubb. I think he can. Um, I think he, you can get that type of production. Question again at the other side of the edge is you don't, you're replacing there, but you haven't upgraded in the other spots. So Drew Sanders. Okay. But are you better in the, in the interior line? You know, mm-hmm. like we've talked about, I don't see a way where, you know, unless, Unless Ozarike makes that big jump from year one to year two, which we have seen, Nick, we mm-hmm. we have seen interior linemen do that. I don't see where the personnel is better on your interior defensive line than it was last year. And last year it wasn't great; it was okay, but it's a concern. It is a concern coming in. Yeah, just the depth, the talent, the body types. I mean, a lot of times you can not to be, you know, utterly beauty pageant obsessed like a lot of these front offices are which sometimes we can make fun of a little bit, but this Broncos team is not body beautiful uh, along the defense. selling jeans, Nick. Yeah. That, but I mean, like you talk about the first guys off the bus on the defensive line right now, it's Randy Gregory. They just don't have, those. We, we had that discussion. I think it might, it may have been me and Eric. I said, who are your two first two guys off the bus? We said, Mike McGlinchey and Aaron. And I said, Randy Gregory. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Without a doubt. I mean, you talk about like just the, those type of guys are born, not built. A lot of those like defensive front, you know, difference makers. And right now I just don't know if the Broncos have, they have guys who are good players, no doubt, you know, DJ Jones squad flows the role and plays really well for what he is, but he's not somebody who the other team is like, okay, this guy is an absolute game wrecker that it, we have to change our scheme for to stop. I just don't see many of those guys on the defensive front uh, right now. I think you have a lot of complimentary solid pieces, what you need, but the only one I see right now is a potential like game takeover type is Randy Gregory and you can't trust him at all. So uh, that's one that's going to concern me. I do think it fits well, luckily for the Broncos and how their team is built right now uh, to be a little bit, if you're going to be weaker anywhere, be weaker on the defensive line uh, because of take me out of context. Now I'm going to sound stupid, but uh, Vance Joseph is a very blitz centric coordinator and the Broncos were the fourth highest blitz team in, in football last season. And they're much stronger on the secondary. So I think right. they can somewhat scheme uh, away some of the weaknesses in terms of personnel when it comes to creating pressure on opposing offenses. 
with, with numbers. With numbers. Mm-hmm. Yep. And just like versatile players that you have here. I mean, Drew Sanders is versatile. Uh, Jonathan Cooper is versatile. Zach Allen inside outside versatile. Uh, but a lot of the pressure is going to have to come from smart scheming and situational uh, setups versus the actual, you know, I have a guy I'm setting up one-on-one and I know if I get a one-on-one with him, he's winning that matchup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a nice feeling when they have to scheme against your guys. Instead, yeah. they're worried about, you're worried about confusion how long will that take to put in? I don't think it'll be too much different. You know, Vance Joseph, again, go. they blitzed so much last year that just having some different players in order to come in and do that, it's a lot of the same guys. That's why I said I don't think this defense should take too big of a step back. Uh, Drake Wally, appreciate you coming in, Drake. Drake is uh, also writes for the Colts site on SI. You see up that in the corner says SI Mile High Huddle. Uh, Drake is a really good Colts content provider and comes in and chips in over here as well. So thank you, Drake. Thanks, Drake. So say there, fellas, always felt this year with Peyton that Denver could bounce back with some power. What are your record predictions? I still, I'll say a solid 10 and seven. We did this and I think I came right in at nine and eight, uh, 10 and seven, somewhere in there as we went through. It seems like the the schedule is top heavy, you know, so you've got to survive mm-hmm. those first, you know, six games were, were tough. I just had it open. I'll bring it back here in a second, but it feels like the schedule was top heavy to me. Um, but I, I think that's a, a good estimate. What's the the over under in Vegas was eight and a half, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, Nick. Yep. Right around 500. So uh, I think to 10 and seven, that'd be slightly above uh, expectations for this team based on the uh, national perception. But yeah, now the Broncos uh, definitely could be in that area. 10 and seven. I'm going to still say nine and eight for now, uh, just to be a little bit safer with that one, but certainly possible. We'll see what happens with the Broncos. I mean, this could be a team that completely is revolutionized this season going from Nathaniel Hackett to Sean Payton and, you know, Russell Wilson having a wake up call, focusing more on football than, you know, celebrity stuff. Things could turn around rapidly, uh, but I got to see it to believe it. And maybe I'm thinking of somebody else because it doesn't look all that top heavy to me. It was no. Um, it was more towards like the middle part of the season. Like they have the Chiefs, Packers, Chiefs. That's a weird one, and they have some tough games. Yeah, maybe that was what it was because you know you open up Raiders and Commanders at home. Okay, well, you know if you want to be a playoff team, you need to win those two games. Yeah. At Dolphins is no gimme. Um, you know, two and one, you probably favored first, so you'd be a, a dog on the road. At Chicago Bears, uh, Chicago's getting some love, but they got a long way to go. That's a winnable mm-hmm. game. New York Jets at home tough but winnable you're talking three and one at chiefs is tough three and two green bay packers at home you're talking four and two and why not beat the chiefs at home five and two at buffalo five and three minnesota at home so you've got a lot of these tough games at home minnesota at home browns at home at houston at chargers at detroit there are three in a row there but a couple of those are we shouldn't lose all three of those games patriots at home chargers at home at raiders it's it's manageable it's yeah. it's, a, it's a manageable schedule appreciate you drake coming in there's there's a couple strings in there where you're going to beat somebody that maybe you shouldn't and you're going to lose to somebody maybe you shouldn't especially when you've got those back to back to back road games um where did that come in in the season so you're talking you know week 13 14 and 15 you know, Houston should be a win. You've got them first at least. And then maybe you go to the Chargers and you lose that one and you go to Detroit and win that one. But if you can go two and one out of that stretch, that that's one of those where each one of those teams is beatable, but all three on the road, you don't want to go one and two on that one. Two and one would be a, a good spell in the NFL. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how it uh, plays out this year and just the ebbs and flows and, you know, who can stay healthy? Uh, what is, when does it click? Hopefully they can, when does Javonta Williams back? Uh, hopefully they can get hot to start because uh, that's been over the Broncos recent uh, losing, you know, perpetual suckage that we've seen here for six years. They have started decent and then fallen off, but at least when you start decent, you have some intrigue carrying forward rather than like starting off, you know, one and six and season's already over. So hopefully a hot start and we can see what goes from there. Troy Bauer coming in here, 999, saying, hey, guys, how will uh, Vance Joseph and Joe Vitt mesh? Uh, do you think Joseph has really adapted his defense? I think that they're trying to run uh, specifically with talk, listening to Vance Joseph's press conference. He's picking up a lot of coverage stuff and different ideas, working with, again, Christian Parker, who we talked about earlier. So I think you're going to see some ideas of the match quarters and cover three and cover one kind of looks that we were seeing uh, specifically under Giro Evero and how that mat- matches up and meshes with a more blitz-oriented defense up front because you have to think about how the coverage matches with the run defense and the run fits and the pass rush. And I think you can see that here with Christian Parker working with him. So I've been happy to hear about that. As far as the relationship between Joseph and Vitt, I'm not sure. I think Vitt's a little bit more here to be an overseer of the defense, you know, help uh, Sean Payton as well, somebody that Sean Payton trusts where Joseph's still running the show and he can turn to Vitt if he needs to. Uh, but I don't know about the um, – that's just pure speculation on the relationship there between uh, Vitt and Joseph. And I would think a young coordinator like Vance Joseph would adapt year to year. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not just – you can't just be married to one scheme because then you can get figured out. You know, you, you've, exactly. you're always going to have some tendencies. You're always like, okay, I like bringing pressure. This guy's a little more aggressive than that guy. But, yeah, Troy, appreciate the, the support coming in this morning. Speaking of pets, since that's how we started the show. Mm-hmm. Um I think, you know, Vance Joseph would be adaptable year to year based on who he's got out there. Yeah. Uh, You know, so if he's got a healthy Randy Gregory, he's going to run his defense a little bit differently than he would if he didn't. So I I expect him to adapt to the players that are available and and what he sees. And some hopefully some of these young guys step up as well. Yeah. And talking about guys stepping up, uh, listening to a reading uh, Mike Evans piece here over on Mile High Little. I will drop that in the comments there for you guys so you can check it out as well um and it's uh mike comes in and says pretty much what we're all thinking here about the broncos defense uh being the number one thing is their secondary obviously you have pastor chan and justin simmons two all pro level talents arguably the two best players that their single positions in the nfl both in the same unit on a team i mean that makes the defense a pretty obvious one that stands out but broncos also have some young intriguing uh, exciting players as well on the defensive side of the ball Opposite corner, uh, boundary corner, you got Damari Mathis taking on Riley Moss. That sounds like it's been a pretty interesting battle there <laughs> during a mandatory mini camp. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, you got Kawan Williams back, who is one of the best nickel cornerbacks in football last season. I think Pro Football Focus had him ranked eight, uh, but gave him a lot of credit for playing the most nickel snaps in football. And also, yeah, I mean, he's tenacious. I don't like that he switched to eight i think he switched his number to eight which i don't think is going to look uh, great on a uh cornerback there but uh, that's it's whatever uh but kawan williams out there and also giving some credit to uh caden stern so the broncos secondary definitely the straw that stirs the drink maybe for the entire team uh will be interesting though i'm so intrigued by what the battle looks like on the boundary between mathis and riley moss and we talked about earlier sean payton's defenses a lot of defenses on his teams have been very opportunistic and Riley Moss made a career at Iowa being opportunistic and taking the ball away. So we'll see what happens with that spot, but that's probably one of the most fun battles uh, that we're going to watch here with uh, training camp coming up here soon. Yeah. And the good thing is, is 
you know, you mentioned four guys, and if they battle for a spot, I think they're all going to get on the field a lot. Mm-hmm. You're going to see four cornerbacks a lot. I mean, that's just a base dime package. Yeah. Well, dime is base a lot of times these days, Nick. Yeah. You know, in this pass-happy league, depending on who you're playing against, you're going to see a lot of four-corner sets and rotation, three corners with a sub, having guys come in and out. So it's it's almost important to make sure you've got some more down the line too. You're going to need six corners to get through a season if they all stay healthy. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing those guys as well. We know uh, Mathis has a little bit of swagger to him, which I like. And you just mm-hmm. mentioned Riley Moss, who uh, you watched him a lot more than I did as far as, his, you know, boom or bust coverage. Is he kind of a in, in the digs mold or is he a little more conservative than the guy who gives up the most yards but has the most interceptions? It's so hard to say uh, because of what Iowa's defense asked of them. They never really put them in situations where they were going to have to play reactionary catch-up kind of stuff. It was, you know, keeping everything in front of you and then uh, driving on the football with some quarterbacks with not necessarily NFL arms uh, out there in the Big Ten West, especially playing in the elements. So it's hard to say um, how those Iowa cornerbacks will do in transition. Moss has shown pretty good athlete, good ball skill, smart player, good tackler. I mean, all things that are good, but Iowa has not had a good pipeline of cornerbacks to the NFL here uh, recently. I think partially because of the scheme uh, they're put in a opportune situation to protect them. So we'll see it uh, out there, but I'm, I'm a little bit still waiting to uh, seeing as believing with Riley Moss out there, but uh, did want to shout out. You mentioned the depth of the cornerback position would be remiss if we didn't complete, uh, didn't mention Esang Bassey, the backup nickel. Apparently he's been having a pretty good or had a pretty good mandatory mini camp. And also uh, Jaquan McMillan, who last season, I think week 17, week 18, had a hell of a game, undrafted free agent last year. Apparently he's built on um, last season as well, has been making some plays out there uh, for the defense as well. So it seems like the secondary has some good people. And again, you're talking, oh, this young cornerback, this young safety guy, this young uh, secondary player, Christian Parker. Uh, he's getting his hands on some of these guys and uh, apparently doing some good things with them. So again, just keep an eye on the name Christian Parker this season. I think we're going to talk about him a good bit. Um, yeah, talked about him as future. We're already ushering Vance Joseph out the door for this guy, for goodness sake. Yeah. So let's let's play a yep. snap here first. Um, but yeah, back, this this team right now is back to front, uh, which is a little backwards for an old guy like me. But um, it's a different game. It's a, it's a seven on seven. It's a passing league. There's there's not too many teams that you're going to go around that are just going to try and run it down your throat. And you're not matched up with AFC North this year. Um, yeah. So that helps a lot. Uh, moving into the middle, how much depends on you know the difference from last year? You had steady in on the inside linebacker position. That's not a bad thing. It's it's not when you're getting you know 300 tackles out of two guys uh, and, a, and a turnover here and there. They're doing their jobs. It's kind of what you're asked of the inside linebacker position these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do have some upside there in Drew Sanders, who could be moved around into several different positions. It wouldn't surprise me, Nick, to see him up on the line of scrimmage a lot yeah. over the course yeah. of the season. And then we had high expectations for Jonas Griffith based on the small sample size in 2021. And then an early injury cut his season short in 2022. How can he come back? Cause he is big and he is fast. Uh, two good things, two pretty good things when you're at, at the linebacker position. So I like what the Broncos will be able to put on the field uh, at inside linebacker. Even if it's not, 
you know, again, how many inside linebackers out there are you like, oh, yeah, that's that's the guy on defense that is, you know, the straw that stirs the drink. This isn't the 80s anymore. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens with that. And Anthony Edwards, I don't know if this is breaking news coming in, but he says, love the Kareem Hunt signing. I haven't seen anything about that for the Broncos. You guys can uh, let us know if that happened. I don't think I've been that much off the grid here. That's something like that happened. Maybe you got uh, fooled there, Anthony, but maybe you're breaking news. I don't know what's going on there. Um, Scott looking to confirm it there. Uh, Mike Evans piece, he continues on, and the defensive line is listed as the weakness of this team. We talked about it already, but outside of DJ Jones on that interior, it's a big question mark all across the board. Uh, Zach Allen, he's going to be, sounds like an inside-outside kind of player, so doesn't not completely an inside guy. Uh, that can help cover up some of the concerns there, but a little dabble in a little bit of both. He might be, honestly, he might be the biggest wild card on the entire, that's, that can't be true. Randy Gregory is the biggest wild card on the defense. But after that, I mean, Zach Allen is right up there as well. I mean, he could completely potentially solve two issues on this team if he's good enough inside and outside for what they paid him too. But just a guy that we need to see what it looks like and if he can stay healthy. Yeah, and Anthony, I, I don't see that news out there unless it had just happened in the last five seconds, and I don't I don't see that out there. Um, but Samaje Perrine is a similar type of player that you could absolutely love. Um, someone who is a kind of a number two and will get his chance to possibly be the lead guy for Denver. Uh, I always think of, you know, I'm sure there are more examples of that, but I always think of uh, Michael Turner deputizing LaDainian Tomlinson. LT was a pretty good player. <laughs> you know, there's that, that didn't take anything away from Michael Turner when he finally got his shot. When Michael Turner uh, ended up being the number one, he was a monster. Um, so you're hoping that, depending on what happens with Javante, how early he is there, but at the very least, you've got good depth and a, a two-headed monster at, at running back. So appreciate the stars, Anthony. Uh, good to see you this morning. Yeah, thank you so much. And I would not be against the Cream Hunt signing, but you got Ezekiel Elliott still out there, Leonard Fournette still out there, Dalvin Cook still out there, Cream Hunt is still out there. There's still some running backs uh, available. So we uh, think can be a little bit patient there and see what happens, see what's going on with Javonta Williams. Keith Brugman saying, how much uh, does having a poor offense give defense better stats and rankings? It depends, uh, but a lot of times, especially if you're playing that uh, suffer ball um, that we saw from the Broncos, as Scott liked to call it a few a few years ago with Vic Fangio, that can artificially deflate um, what you're putting out there in terms of defensive points per game and whatnot. It's kind of like if you're playing a really high, it's it's what is it the was it the Princeton offense where uh, it's, it's a four corners offense where you're yeah. taking forever and before the shot clock era, and all of a sudden you've got the number one scoring defense uh in in basketball well mm -hmm. that's because you also had the least amount of possessions and you want to start talking about um and, and nick likes to point out the you know the efficiency rankings you know how good were you per possession per play etc cetera, etc cetera. so you can keep your there's ways to keep the score down but you're not going to have much scoring either so the the, the total points in the game are going to be down um mm -hmm. but you know, how, what, what's your points per possession? And then the yardage on that is where sometimes this come, comes in, Keith. If I'm going three and out pretty quickly and I'm punting the ball and the team's getting the ball on the 40 or further up every single time, they've got short fields. So, yeah, so yeah gave up four touchdowns. We've only given up 160 yards. Okay, great. Um, turnovers, again, another short field yeah. issue. When you're turning the ball over and you're not moving the ball to flip the field, you the, the yards per game will get skewed. So there's a lot of opportunities where that happens, but you know, the other part of it is a poor, a poor offense typically 
you will see if the if the offense is giving the ball up in short fields, the defensive rankings on scoring will get worse. Hmm. Yards can be better because you're on short fields, but your 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 points on scoring. I remember, I think it was the '98 Auburn Tigers team. Their defense was phenomenal, and I considered a three and out and a punt without losing yardage a win for that hmm. offense. Nick probably just watched this last year with the Iowa Hawkeyes. Punting is winning. Is so good that a three and out and a punt instead of, you know, losing 15 yards and or fumbling uh, was pretty standard. So there's, there's different ways around it. And depending on, you know, you say a poor offense, depending on what they're doing, how are they poor? Are they turning it over a lot? Are they not, you know, scoring in the red zone? That's one thing versus not converting third down and moving the ball. So it's, it's cyclical. Yeah, without a doubt. So we'll see what they do this year. And we got Anthony Edwards coming in. Fake news have been bamboozled. Great show this morning, guys. Well, you're not the first. You won't be the last, Anthony. Nope. It'll probably happen to me at least twice today. So uh, appreciate <laughs> you, Anthony, coming in with the back-to-back Super Zers. And uh, that's going to have to wrap it on up today. We're at 50 minutes now, and that's uh, about what we're getting at to these days. I know that Chad, you know, still wants, you know, 30, 40, whatever. But we, we have a pace here. We got a rhythm. So it's fine. It's fine. We appreciate you guys coming in. And then we wouldn't have Anthony, if we went 30 minutes, we wouldn't have Anthony coming in and correcting himself and uh, rede- redeeming himself there with the uh, calling himself out the fake news. So totally appreciate that. redeem yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. The uh, Good to see you, Anthony. Good to see everybody coming in and joining us today. A lot of names that we recognize, of course. Uh, we had Lawrence Rivera was in the house. We had Michael Ronquillo in the house. Shout out to you with your super chats. Troy Bauer coming in. Drake Wally. Appreciate you, Drake. I hope you're doing well. I know we had Gary Palmer in the house. Mark Schrader was also in here. Daniel Sw- Swafford, good to see you. Don Willison. I mean, you guys are killing it today. Um, for a Tuesday morning in between uh mandatory mini camp and training camp, whatnot. Not a lot of news. Okay, real quick. Uh, I see a question here from Peter, and Peter asked nicely. Thoughts on JL Skinner the season? Broncos six round pick, and then also we have another big super. So I guess we're not getting out of here just yet. But uh, JL Skinner. I think this season JL Skinner is trying to make the team as a special teams difference maker and probably a specialty player that's going to be a big body box safety mm-hmm. in certain packages. I don't see him playing the two split high safety. I don't see him playing free safety, but in the roles where you're looking for a pure dimebacker type, a third safety in the field that's playing the box, I think there's a role for him. He's going to have to prove that he can take on blocks and get off of them and diagnose them pretty well. He's got a better body type for it, but that doesn't make him better in the box and playing physical than uh, our guy, Kwan Williams, who is unbelievable, actually close to the line of scrimmage. So, Definitely a role for him, but easiest path, year one, special teams. Make yourself valuable, indispensable on special teams. From there, good things can happen. Yeah, I was thinking someone in that you know third and three range where he comes in where it could be run, could be passed, but it's going to be short, and his length and ability mm-hmm. to then enforce, you know, be a run-stopping run enforcer would help get him on the field. So uh, I like J.L. Skinner. I think that was a, a very a bargain type of uh, of pick good good value pick and lawrence comes in with some stars thank you sir lawrence michael and keith coming on holding up the facebook side on stars today thanks to all of you he said it's so hard to base players off stats uh sometimes because teams will try and pad them uh to ship off stats and we've been tricked for a while stats are i, I think football is the least dependent on stats to determine who is a good player or not uh, when I was scouting players, I didn't look at high school cat stats. No one cares. Um, it's fun to put them in there. You know, oh, this kid ran for 2,500 yards in 10 games. Okay, that's nice. But it doesn't really tell me what told me he's a good high school back. Tells me that they're running all over their opposition. Could tell me that nobody's laying a finger on him. 
Um, you've got different schemes, and it's such a dependent teamwork game that you could throw for a bunch of yards, um, but who are you playing against? You know, everybody else is playing a wing tee. So stats for football do not translate like they do in other sports, Lawrence. And uh, what always translates for us, uh, DWI guys coming in red hot. Great to see you. Uh, thank you so much for the support, Ethan, as always. Yeah, thank you so much, Ethan. That's big time. You wanted to get a shout out too. Good to see you, Ethan. Thank you so much. Tim says it has to be the stash. Got to rock the stash uh, while the uh, the wife is away because she is my wife is away. She's not a big fan of it, but that's okay. It's a lot of fun. Um, we also got Michael Ronquillo coming back in saying great show today, Nick and Scott and Broncos for breakfast. Go Broncos and Buckham. Thank you so much, Michael. We appreciate you. Appreciate everybody coming in. Uh, going to be a lot of fun to watch uh, what this team can do. Appreciate everybody joining us on this Tuesday. Make sure you're following Scott on Twitter. Scott is at Scout Kennedy. I'm at Nick Kennel MHH. Also follow us at BFB underscore pod as well as at Mile High Huddle. If you haven't done so yet, join us on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle and Facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle pod. And as the ticker shows there underneath, if you're joining us on YouTube today or you have a YouTube account or you know, ever even heard of YouTube, please uh, join us on there. Subscribe to Mile High Huddle. Click the like uh, button, thumbs up on the way out the door. And uh, we'll see you guys again tonight. I'll be back again tonight with uh, Carl on Building the Broncos, uh, BTB uh, underscore pod. So, uh, yeah. Any other final thoughts, Scott, before we close it on up and get on out of here? No, just good to see you. Really good since I wasn't. Totally sure we were having a show today, so I'm up and ready. I had uh, had already started kind of mentally moving on to other things, but it's it's pretty easy to get back into into pod mode with a, a great group like this. Yeah, it's always a lot of fun. Uh, we will see you guys again tonight. We'll see. I'll see you again tomorrow morning. Uh, but until then, make sure you continue to choose kindness and compassion. And as always, go Broncos. Head on over to MileHighHuddle.com for all things Broncos. Morning, Broncos country. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.